Blog Talk Radio. I hope you are staying cool wherever you are. Of course, some of you may live in places that are naturally cool. It's uh, man, it's hotter than the doorknob of Hades here where we're living. My goodness gracious! Um, of course, this is the Reverend John Saint Germain, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church, the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, and many other. Um, groups and organizations, etc., etc., coming to you from Knoxville, Tennessee, where it's um, in the uh, mid to upper 90s, and with the humidity factor today, uh, they said it felt like 105 degrees. I'm, I think it felt hotter than that, actually. Um, it, it's kind of like being slow roasted over a charcoal fire. Good God almighty. Great God, but um, you know what can I say? We we choose to live here, don't we? We choose to live here. So the Crystal Silence League, founded in 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, for the express purpose of projecting positive prayer and affirmation for all those in need of such, and those who um, uh, benefited from this were many worldwide. And when Mr. Conlon passed into the silence around 1954 or so, he took the league with him, and then he came back in um, spirit when adepts from the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church brought the league back cybernetically 
around 2007, and it can be found at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And we have a web presence, and of course we do have a radio presence as well, and um, that's my role. I'm the voice of the Crystal Silence League, and uh, this voice is brought to you, of course, by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, Forestville, California. Well, tonight we're going to continue our discussion of the powers of the mind. Um, first, we'll talk about Spiderweb Jasper, and then we'll go pray a little bit for the folks who post prayers. And if you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see many prayers. We get anywhere from one to 200 prayers a week posted. And, of course, prayer is always free at the Crystal Silence League. We do have a gift shop to make available to you. Um, literature on working with crystals and crystals themselves. We have several books. We have Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, which is a edited compendium of writings from our founder, Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon. We have uh, Crystal Magic, which was written by me, and a book called Lithomancy, also written by me, which are updated techniques on working with crystals. And uh, you know, we urge you to collect these, um, and I think I believe when you um, buy twelve dollars worth of crystals or other products, you'll get secrets of the Crystal Silence League uh, free to help you with your journey into the world of uh, crystallomancy. And we have lots and lots of information. Um, Two hundred and eight episodes of the show, which are archived at the Lucky Mojo forum and on my website, and soon to be at other places, I understand. All right, enough of that. Um, what shall we do first? Let's talk about Spider Jasper. Spider Jasper is a white um, um, stone. Um, it is Jasper, and uh, Jasper is almost always... Uh, uh, a, a pretty stone. It, it is in solid colors, but you'll find all sorts of uh, pretty jaspers. Ocean jasper, which looks like the ocean. Picasso jasper, that looks like paintings. Um, um, landscape jasper, looks like there's a, uh, paintings on it. Leopard skin jasper, that looks like literally leopard skin. And spiderweb jasper, and all, all forms of jaspers are grounding stones. Uh, they're earthy, they're, they're heavy, they ground you. Um, and spiderweb jasper um, has uh, a white or gray underpinning with a myriad of lines that look like they've been drawn. It looks like a spider has crawled around it and spun a black web around it. For me, it's always looked like someone took a black Sharpie or a black pen and inscribed these very straight lines. Um, and uh, because of this, uh, it's known as a soothing stone. Uh, it helps with anxiety, that sort of free-floating anxiety that a whole lot of people seem to have. Um, and um, um, it is um, um, very good for any kind of fear or anxiety. Um, if you have uh, 
frayed nerves from overextending, especially. This is what I use it for. I have a little uh, palm stone of spiderweb jasper that I put in the palm of my hand, and I'll either gaze with it or just rub it like a worry stone when I just feel like I've extended myself too much, which happens a lot these days. Uh, when I've taken on too much, I just give it to that jasper stone. Um, I've seen it turned into amulets, uh, necklaces, uh, beads, and um, it is a um, – um, don't, don't mistake it for Picasso jasper or zebra jasper, which also has striped lines. Um, the zebra jasper has thick lines that uh, circumnavigate the stone. Uh, spiderweb jasper, these are fine lines that go in all different directions. Uh, so it is a very powerful stone. It also helps, especially when you gaze with it, see the interconnectedness of things. Um, sometimes you may not see the cause and effect of certain things, how seemingly random elements aren't connected, things that seem to happen randomly. And by gazing into the stone and just going into a silent state, you'll have insights into how things are interconnected. You'll have these aha moments. You'll see how these things are interconnected and um, how seemingly random events are actually connected. And you go, aha, I see what's going on here. Very useful for that. You can make an infusion of it easily. Jasper is very hard. It's pretty safe to put it directly in water. I don't do that these days. I I like indirect infusions, which means that you put the uh, stone or a group of stones in a jar, and then you submerge the jar, a sealed jar, in the water, leave it in the sun. The properties are um, transferred to the water, and then you put a few drops of brandy in the water, molding over and growing icky algae, amoebas and things, and use the water for magical purposes. You anoint yourself with it. Um, you sprinkle it around your area. You use it on your uh, grids. You anoint other stones with it, etc. So uh, there you go. I may, um, in a future book, write about the uses of uh, infusions. Uh, some, I meant to do that in one of my books, but we ran out of room. But there you go. That's a spiderweb jasper, an interesting stone, and they're they're inexpensive. You can get a pretty good size of it um, for about ten dollars. Uh, palm stone for about ten dollars. Jasper's cheap. It's it's very inexpensive. You can get all sorts of jaspers for you know for a hundred dollars investment in jasper, you can get lots of jaspers, different jaspers. Uh, very very inexpensive stone, and you have this impressive collection of exotic rocks and. Uh, uh, looks very good on your shelf and you know people think you've invested a lot of money and you really haven't jaspers come in all sorts of stuff crazy lace jasper uh, uh african um, moss jasper uh, picasso jasper uh, snowflake jasper there's all sorts hundreds every time i turn uh, brachiated jasper every time i turn around there's a new one uh, yellow um Yellow striped jasper. There's, I'm just looking around, just naming them as I see them. All sorts of them. Beautiful, beautiful stones. Nature's, um, nature's art stone. It's just like nature's. So, how, how many types of jasper can I make here? It's very interesting. Crystal Silence League. If you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, 
go to the prayer petition page, prayer request page. Um, let's pray a little bit. Um, gosh, there have been prayers posted since uh, I was here earlier praying for people. Um, and we should, oh my goodness gracious, there are people posting lots of duplicates. And uh, I took some of those off earlier. There was uh, somebody posted like 20 duplicates of the same prayer, and I had to take a few of them off. Um, quantity is not quality with prayers. You know, if you post your prayer 10 times, um, it's not going to do you more more good than posting it once and having us all pray for you. Um, too much of that may get you banned, so you know, be careful with that, folks. You know, be careful. Don't use up our bandwidth. So let's start. Uh, we'll start with prayer ID number nine five seven six six. Who says, please pray for D G and D S F or D S and friends and so-called friends protection. Keep the, keep them from harm's way and give them a great life. Make them complete. Heal their minds, body, and souls. Bless them to healthy, prosperous, and financially secure life. Amen. Then we have prayer ID number 95762, who says, Please send blessings and good spirits to me and my family, and let us be blessed and protected by good spirits and ancestors. Love and thank you, Saints Anthony, Espedy, Jude, Michael, Saints Martin, Deporez, and Francis of Assisi. Thank you. Amen. Then we have prayer ID 95758 who says, please pray that R and will become a family and that R will open his heart to my love and that he will love me back. Pray that he is able to see his daughter soon and that we'll be together as a family. Amen. Prayer ID 95757. Um, please pray for me and my fiance. Jay, as our transmission in our truck just went out 10 minutes ago. Wow. Um, and this was set today. I don't have a time on it. Um, and we have no transportation to get back to Kingsburg. If we put it in the shop and need money to get it fixed, we need his family and some friends to help us out. Amen. Well, bless you. You can pray for cars. You know, machines have a type of sentience. They have a type of consciousness. Uh, have you noticed how your printer jams when you when you need you desperately need that thing um, in a minute you need it in a minute and your printer will jam your anxiety. Uh, uh, Dr. Daryl Bim did a study on that. Um, Dr. Daryl Bim, who who I actually know, um, did a study on that. Um, look it up. Prayer ID nine five seven four zero. Any. Anyone, anybody, try to harm or hurt us, return back to the senders all around the front, back, and the sides. Return it back fast immediately. This is uh, about curses. Return any curses or bad feelings back to the person. Amen. Um, she also prays uh, for protection from danger for herself and her daughter. Uh, who says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken me. I need all prayers to cover me and my daughter in my apartment complex and all haters to sent back to the pit from where they come from in Jesus' name. Amen. Then we have um, prayer ID 95737. I wish for the immediate reunification with my alienated teenage children that they may see my continued efforts to reach out to them 
and accept the love I'm trying to show them. I wish for them to reject the lies I've been told about me and rediscover their love for me in their hearts. May it be so. Amen. Prayer ID 95735. I pray the charity I founded gets tax-exempt status from the government. Amen. You have to try more than once. My accountant explained it to me. First time you might get it rejected. Second time you might get rejected. Third time, you're probably going to get it. You have to keep explaining how you're a benefit to the community. Prayer ID 95734. Remove all curses for our and family. Cut out, cut off the seed of the wicked and destroy all transgressors. Because Psalm 37 does say, transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. Father, in Jesus' name, deliver our and family. Save them from all transgressors. Conquer and defeat the enemy. Throw all evil back upon them. Add iniquity unto their iniquity. Amen. You do love those psalms. Prayer ID 95732 says, there's a drug addiction healing request here. And she prays drugs, healing, and deliverance for someone whose initial is S. May it be so. Let's take a minute of silent prayer and dedication for all those in need of healing and deliverance from addiction and deliverance from evil. Amen. We've been looking at the powers of the mind, and uh, I've been reminded of some marvelous things that I've seen, witnessed, read about, heard, etc. And there's um, a phenomenon I've been very, very fascinated with, and uh, I've been trying to find a video that I saw once. There was a uh, uh, a video I saw 
where uh, a fellow had was being, and I saw this years ago. A, a guy was being um, uh, basically mauled by four police officers outside a convenience store, and I'm not sure what he did. I think he was just acting suspiciously, um, and you know, a couple of policemen came and they started harassing him, and he resisted their attempts to uh, restrain him. So two more policemen came and they tackled him and restrained him on the ground. And he reached to the sky and he said, I call upon the power of Yahweh to help me. And he, he shrugged off these four policemen with superhuman strength and then ran off at almost superhuman speed. I mean, he was like the flash, but he, he threw these four police, big policemen off like they weighed nothing, like they were, nothing and then ran off and it was caught by the convenience store camera he said i call upon the power of yahweh and boom he was gone like and you know these policemen were dumbfounded um so this was an example of what um has been somewhat uh disparagingly called hysterical strength the uh phenomenon that happens and it's a cliche phenomenon when uh a mother sees the child trapped under the car and she, the mother weighs a hundred pounds and she picks up a 3,500 pound car and frees her child. It's a very interesting phenomenon. It's, um, it has um, intrigued me for years and years because how, you know, how, and whenever uh, someone of rational mind explains it, they say it's adrenaline. Um, but, you know, I have an engineering background, and I'll tell you that if you apply 30 pounds of pressure uh, to the kneecap, 60 pounds of pressure to a kneecap, it will buckle and break. 60 pounds of pressure is what it takes to break a knee or an elbow. And you can break a person's arm uh, yourself. You can take a person's arm, the, the you know, the radius of the ulna, and take it across your knee and break it and you can fall down and break your arm. It, it takes very little effort to, uh, in a gym lifting a 50 pound weight to pull a muscle. It doesn't take much to tear a muscle. How does adrenaline explain, you know, right now I have a, a need to um, have a rotator cuff fixed by surgery uh, because I rather foolishly um, tried to help a friend pick up a couch that may have weighed uh, 100 pounds, and I picked it up wrong, and I tore a muscle. Now, I should have called upon the power of Yahweh, perhaps, but this has intrigued me. And so I looked, I said, okay, if there's a theory that adrenaline can give you the superpower, has anyone made a study of this? Because it seems like it's a very a very easy theory to prove. You get some volunteers, you give them an injection of adrenaline, which they do medically. You know, when your heart stops, sometimes they'll give you an injection of adrenaline and say, okay, there's 500 pounds, pick it up. You know, or, you know, there's a car, pick it up. Give them an injection of adrenaline under controlled conditions, pick it up. And, no one has done it. These studies do not exist. Nobody has done this. 
There have been studies of the effects of adrenaline on the human body, but nobody has done this study or no one has done it successfully. No one has ever proven, even though this theory has been asserted as fact by many people, no one has ever performed a controlled study that has proven that adrenaline can give you superpowers. Now, interestingly enough, Stan Lee, um, may he rest in peace, may he rest in glory, Um, um, sometime in the late 50s, claims that he witnessed a woman lift a car off her baby. And he started thinking about this idea that a person uh, through their biochemistry or something can have superhuman strength. And he came up with a character called the Incredible Hulk after witnessing this this type of phenomenon. Um, So I started... Investigate. I said, did this really happen? You know, did a woman really lift a car off a baby? And I found dozens of documented cases of it, um, including in uh, in Quebec, a woman whose name was Lydia Angio. Um, and I'll tell you about this. She lived. Uh, uh, Ivujevic, a village of 300 people on the shore of the Hudson Bay in northern Quebec. One Wednesday evening, earlier this month, this story says, uh, Miss Anjou was walking near the village community center with her two sons when a group of children playing street hockey started shouting and pointing frantically. Miss Angio, 41, turned around and saw a polar bear sizing up her seven-year-old son. She told the children to run and raced around to get between the bear and her son. Then she started kicking and punching the animal, according to police reports. In a flash, the bear swatted her in the face, and she fell on her back. With the bear on top of her, Miss Anjou began kicking her legs in a bicycle motion. She was swatted once more and rolled over, but the bear moved toward her again. Um, Officer, um, whose name I will attempt to pronounce, uh, Sikwaluk Analik, heard the commotion and came rushing over. Seeing Miss Anjou wrestling with a bear, he ran to his brother's home, grabbed a rifle, and headed back to the street. He fired a few warning shots. The sound diverted the bear's attention from Miss Anjou just long enough for him to aim and fire again. According to police, uh, Mr. Anjou fired four shots into the bear before it finally died. With the help of some neighbors, um, Miss Anjou made it to the home of Nelson Kahn, a constable with uh, the police department. She came in in a panic. Mr. Kion related, recalled in an interview, she was obviously in shock. She was saying, bear, bear. I just took her over to our nursing station and asked where any of the bear was dead. She said, yes. Remarkably, Miss Andrew suffered only a couple of scratches and a black eye. She and the local police have been fielding calls from across Canada ever since. Um, Meanwhile, villagers are still marveling at her courage, and there's talk of nominating her for a bravery medal awarded by the governor general. I've been here 24 years. I've never seen this before, said Larry Hubert, a regional captain with the police force who arrived at the scene after the bear was shot. For sure, she saved a kid's life. Mr. Hubert has known Miss Anjou for 15 years, and he can't believe she took on a bear. He said the bear measured eight feet, which is 
2.4 meters in length and weighed at least 700 pounds. Miss Anjou is about five foot nothing and 90 pounds on a wet day, Mr. Hubert said. She's pretty quiet. I'm surprised she went and did that. But I guess when your back is up against the wall, listen to this, I guess we come up with superhuman strength. Now, I, I'm a pretty big guy. I've had my share of experiences, but if a 700 pound bear came after me, I would crap. The superhuman thing I would do is I'd take a superhuman crap in my pants, I think. 1982, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Tony Cavallo repairing his 64 Chevrolet Impala. He was under the car and it was propped up with jacks. And this is a, this. let me let the Reverend tell you, never prop up a car with jacks. Always use jack stands. And it fell down on him. His mother, uh, whose name was Angela Cavallo, lifted the car high enough and long enough for two neighbors to replace the jacks and pull Tony from beneath the car. We're told in this story that the mother weighed about 110 pounds, and she was an old woman. In 2006, the bear story, in 2006 again in Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, uh, Tom Boyle, a man named Tom Boyle, watched a Chevrolet Camaro hit an 18-year-old boy named Kyle the car pinned the boy. Underneath, Boyle lifted the Camaro off the teenager while the driver of the car pulled the teen to safety. In 2009 in Kansas, Ottawa, Kansas, uh, a man named Nick Harris lifted a Mercury sedan to help a six-year-old girl that was pinned beneath. Again in 2009 in Newport, Wales, a woman named Donna McNamee um, lifted a one, oh, oh, uh, Donna McNamee, Abigail Sicolo and Anthony McNamee lifted a 1.1-ton Renault Clio off of an eight-year-old boy. 1.1 tons. 2011 in Tampa, Florida, uh, University of South Florida college football player Daniel Estenor lifted a 1,600-kilogram, which is 3,500-pound car, off a man who had been caught underneath. I can go on. I can tell you there are dozens of these. Um uh, uh, in Oregon, teenage sisters Hannah, age 16, and Haley, age 14, lifted a tractor to save their father pinned underneath. No respecter of age, of age or sex. In Ohio, Zach Clark, a 16-year-old football player, lifted a 3,000-pound car when he heard his neighbor call for help. How is this possible? How is this possible? Um, there's a story about a skydiver. Um, I was watching this the other day, in fact. Um, he and his instructor jumped out of the plane. They'd, they'd done many, many jumps before. He decided he wanted to break his own personal record. So they were 15,000 feet in the air. This is three miles, five miles, or something. Anyway, several miles in the air. And he made a joke. He said, you know, I hope my parachute opens. Well, it didn't. And he fell 15,000 feet. And he and his instructor hit the ground. You know, they were strapped together, and they both lived. And he broke his spine. Um, he thought he was going to be a paraplegic, but he wasn't. Broke several ribs, broke an arm and a leg, but they fell 15,000 feet and lived. They hit the ground. They didn't hit a tree. They They, they went boom and hit the ground. And the theory was... Adrenaline that he he was so terrified and so jacked on adrenaline that 
I mean, this was, you know, the only theory. So, well, I guess the adrenaline, um, he fell 15,000 feet, hit the ground, and lived. And this was the story that inspired uh, the sequel to the Jason Statham movie, Crank, where, you know, at the end he falls uh, out of, at the end of Crank 1, he falls out of an airplane and hits a car and bounces. And then in Crank 2, you know, he's still alive. And it's like, well, how can that happen? And they said in an interview, well, you know, there's this guy that fell like five miles out of an airplane and lived. And this was the story that inspired that. Because you're like, oh, come on, man. He fell out of an airplane like three miles in the air. You know, but But he lived. And he recovered. And he went back up to skydive again. How is this possible? Well, I believe it's the mind. I believe it's the mind. And I don't think it's an anomaly of biochemistry, although I'm sure that plays a part in it. Um, I believe it's the mind. And I believe that the future of our healing is not going to be pharmaceutical, but training, but our mind telling our body, you will heal. The doctor says, you know, you have lung cancer. Our mind says, not anymore. You know, the doctor says, well, you have a bacterial infection. The mind says, not anymore. Because, you know, antibiotics are getting less and less effective. The germs are getting smarter. There'll be a day when antibiotics won't work. This is the future. And if we see that this uh, so-called hysterical strength uh, is not some anomaly. It's no respecter of age or sex. It can be triggered by getting out of rational thought and telling ourselves we can't do it. When it's necessary, we can. When it's necessary, we can. I worked at the uh, state mental hospital when I was in college, and um, they used to dread when they said, well, the hospital's bringing over a PCP patient. And it, this was the only time it was allowed to put anyone in four-point restraints because someone who was uh, totally twisted on PCP had superhuman strength. It, it took eight people to hold someone down to restrain them. And often they would break the leather restraints. And this was, once again, uh, a person who had supernormal strength. Um, and I remember marveling at this. However, often they hurt themselves. They would break their bones and rip their tendons. So it was like having an electric shock. It would uh, uh, convulse the muscles uh, in spasm. But there was often harm done to themselves, not like the um, incidences when someone would pick a car up to free a person and then afterward not even have you know, a sprained muscle or a sore muscle. Um, I believe this is the mind. I believe this is the mind uh, tapping into a source of power that is maybe within us, maybe without, um, beyond this um, reporting of this fact. I, ha I have no theory. Um, I don't know. But let's, uh, let's do station identification, and we'll do a, a slight veering of the subject. Uh, into the idea of mental healing, and uh, we'll be right back. Just chew on that for a minute.
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'll tell you another um, uh, story. There, there's a, uh, a trick magicians do called the bullet catch, and it's almost always a trick. Well, I'm going to tell you, almost always a trick. Um, there's a bullet, it's marked, put in a gun, the magician stands back, they fire the gun, the magician catches the bullet uh, in his mouth or in his hand and um, shows it and, you know, same bullet, presumably, that was fired from the gun. And it's an illusion, it's a trick. Magicians will tell you it's a trick. But there was a fellow who was from Sweden, maybe, who performed it for many years and he had the set of iron teeth that he would put in, and he had a marksman that was trained, and he would catch it with these iron teeth in his mouth, and um, he died by being shot. Um, he was shot performing this trick, and as it turned out, he was really doing it. His reflexes... And his, um, it, you know, nobody could figure out how he was doing it. They said, well, yeah, yeah, it's a trick. But nobody could figure out how he was doing it. He never touched the bullet. Nobody, it never left sight. There, it's a trick, but we don't know how he's doing it. He's really good. And people wanted to pay him for the method. He goes, I'm really doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, And uh, he had a super normal ability. And one day it just went wrong. And there was a performer named... Uh, Mir Django, who used to uh, give someone a sword and let them run it through his body. Uh, you can look him up. And uh, people thought it was a trick. You know, thought, oh, that's a really good trick. I mean, he'd take his shirt off and put a sword. Uh, it was an epee, you know, a uh, round sword in the middle of his belly and let them push it through. And they'd walk around the sword sticking out. People, this is the best illusion I ever saw. This was during the uh, uh, 1800s early 1900s, and people would say, that's the greatest illusion I've ever seen. And then they'd pull it out, and they'd go, <laughs> and pull out. And uh, the thing is, he had all these bruises and marks around his belly. And these doctors said, you know, I think he might be really doing that. And then they examined him, <laughs> and it turned out he was really doing it. Uh, he was able to uh, pass his blade through him without puncturing any major organs. And uh, apparently he, he died performing the trick, too. Not the trick, but performing the feat. But he had a supernormal ability to um, um, not bleed, to stop his bleeding, and uh, um, not die, letting people impale him on a sword. Uh, so we know that there are people that can do this. We know that there are people that can do this. And there was a study recently of a yogin. Uh, and this guy was studying under rigorous conditions who said he had stopped eating decades ago. And these scientists said, well, let us study. He goes, 
whatever you want to do. And he was in a room for three months under constant surveillance, and he never ate. He would take sips of water now and again, but he never ate. And he was in this room for weeks. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, Darren Brown commented on him. Uh, he was on his website. And if you want to despair about human beings, look at the comments. One person said, well, it's a disgusting fact, but you can actually live on your own snot for a long period of time. Do you understand that that's like perpetual motion? Uh, and uh, someone said that he was living on uh, stuff that floats in the air and that one of his disciples may have been pumping stuff through the air to him. And uh, um, it's just, it's just, you know, there's a thing about trying to overthink something, but, he was studied for uh, three months or something, and he, he never ate. And uh, he would take small sips of water, uh, not enough to ordinarily keep a person alive. So we know that these anomalies exist. We just don't have a, a grip on them. So let's look at some uh, modern times. Um, we know that the the bulk of human activity is concerned with the alleviation of human suffering. If you think about it, entertainment is to take our minds off of it. You know, art and literature addresses it. All science is presumably um, to help alleviate human suffering. So we know that everyone, really everyone that's alive, uh, who is engaged in a constructive activity is concerned with the healing of bodily conditions and human affairs. We could even say mental conditions, I would suppose. So, but what is it that heals? What is it that heals? And where is this healing power? And these are questions asked by everyone. What is it that heals? If, if you give someone medicine, for instance, what, what is the intermediary? What is it in the medicine that heals? So the answer is that this healing power, even with medicine, is a subconscious process. A person must participate in the healing for it to work. No amount of medicine is going to heal someone who's determined not to get better. Did you know this? I mean, do you believe this? If a, if a person is sick and they're determined not to get better, they really won't. They really won't. You can you can give them any amount of antibiotics. Um, they will not get better. Chemotherapy, radiation, they will not get better if they're not determined to get better. The subconscious channel must be activated. And I'll tell you that I had a doctor, uh, and we were talking about this, and he said, he said you know, John, 15%. 15 to 20% of everything is the placebo effect, including what I do. And uh, I, I, I can tell you a lot about the placebo effect, including that don't dismiss it. Um, nope, nobody really knows what it is and how it works. And whenever I hear somebody goes, well, that's just the placebo effect, I say, don't, don't, don't ever call it just the placebo effect. A 15 to 20% improvement of any condition is significant, is significant. So these are questions that are very important. You know, what is it that heals? What is the mechanism? So 
it's the subconscious mind. It is the mind that instigates healing. If you can give someone a sugar pill and they get better and it's 20% better, come on. <laughs> you know, something something is there. So no mental or religious science practitioner, psychologist, psychiatrist, or medical doctor ever healed a patient. There's an old saying, the doctor dresses the wound, but God heals it. And there's some truth to this. If you understand exactly what God is, and God being the creative force of the universe, and that God is within all of us, and that we are God, and that that blade of grass is God, and that God is the universe itself, the psychologist or psychiatrist proceeds to remove the mental blocks of the patient so that the healing principle may be released, which restores the patient to health. Likewise, the surgeon removes the physical block, enabling the healing currents to function normally. No physician, surgeon, psychologist, psychiatrist, or mental science practitioner claims that he healed the patient unless he's you know, a narcissist. Come on. The one healing power is called by many names, nature, life, God, creative intelligence, subconscious power. But it all boils down to one thing. We really don't know what it is. As previously discussed in many shows before, there are many different methods used to remove the mental, emotional, physical blocks which inhibit the flow of this healing life principle. We stand in our own way. We, we tell ourselves constantly with a negative stream of self-talk that we're sick, we're dying, we're blocked. We're living in a world that is constantly bombarding us with negative uh, anti-life messages. And it inhibits the flow of this healing life principle that animates all of us. The healing principle resident in the subconscious mind can and will, if it's properly directed and properly nourished by either ourselves or some other person, will heal the mind and body of all disease. And this healing principle is operative in all persons, regardless of creed, color, sex, race, age. And you don't have to belong to any particular church in order to use and participate in this healing process. Your subconscious will heal the burn or the cut on your hand, even though you profess to be an atheist or an agnostic or a true believer. The cut will heal itself. And the modern mental therapeutic procedure is based on the truth that the infinite intelligence and power of your own subconscious mind responds according to your faith. And the mental science practitioner or the minister of mental science of any sort, be it new thought, uh, mental healing, uh, positive thinking, responds according to whatever faith it is. This could be the injunction of the Bible. It could be the injunction of um, meditation. But he will go into the closet and shut the door, which means that he stills his mind. He goes into the silence. He relaxes. He lets go. And he thinks and dwells on the infinite healing presence within him or herself. You close the door of his mind to all outside distractions and as well as all appearances. And then he quietly and knowingly turns over his request 
you turn over your desire to the subconscious mind and you realize that the intelligence of the mind will answer you according to your specific needs. It is necessary to let go of control. We're very fond of labels. We're very fond of labels. We put labels on everything, including ourselves. I'm a liberal. I'm a conservative. I'm a Christian. I'm a Buddhist. And these labels have to go for this to work. We're labeling people. We're in this uh, cancel culture, which is absurd to me. Uh, and this whole uh, social justice movement is so absurd to me. We're labeling we're labeling, and we should not be doing this. Um, you know, do uh, you know a long time ago, a long time ago, one of my in instructors in Buddhism said, you should never identify yourself as a Buddhist, John, when you're talking about Buddhism. Never identify yourself as a Buddhist. I said, why not? He said, as soon as you say you're a Buddhist, you have, you have separated yourself and distanced yourself and alienated yourself from those who call themselves Christians and Jews and Muslims, and he said, "Never, never describe, never call yourself a Buddhist. Just talk to people about people stuff. You know, as long as you say you're a person, you're a human, you're okay. Because everyone you talk to is going to be a human. But never identify yourself as an ism or an ist. Because as soon as you say I'm a Christian, I'm a Muslim, I'm a Buddhist, you have." Separate, you've 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 cloven yourself. You've cleaved yourself away from those who are not. And this is the problem with labels. Actually, this is the purpose of labels. That's why they're there. And it's an insidious thing. As soon as I say I'm white, I've separated myself from everyone who's black. As soon as I say I'm brown or yellow, I've separated myself from everyone who's green or blue. When I say I'm an American, I've separated myself from everyone who's not an American. That's the problem with labels. And what is a border anyway? A border is a line that's drawn on a piece of paper. Uh, you know, it makes no sense. So the most wonderful thing to know is this. Imagine that there's no label. Imagine that there's no name for things. Imagine the end, end result what, what end you want to have and feel its reality and don't put a label on it. What it, Feel the reality of the end result. Then the infinite life principle will respond to your conscious desire, your conscious choice, and your conscious request. And this is the meaning of believe you have received and you have received. And this is what modern mental science teaches and when you practice prayer therapy we're not it's not wish fulfillment you know we're not like a little kid wishing that we had um, you know a toy for Christmas it's not wish fulfillment power of prayers power of belief believe that you've already received it and you enter that area of causation and you'll find that you have you, that you have indeed received it so there's only one universal healing principle offering through everything, whether it's a cat or a dog, trees, grass, wind, and earth, because everything is alive. And this life principle operates through the animal, vegetable, and mineral kingdoms. And yes, mineral, yes, uh, which is why we, we love our crystals, right? As 
it's instinct and the law of growth. Man, mankind, is consciously aware of this life principle, and he can consciously direct it to bless himself in countless ways. So there are these many different approaches and techniques and methods in use in using this universal power, but there's only one process of healing, which is faith. Because as it is written, according to your faith, it is done to you. And there are many ways to manifest this faith. And it's so absurd to me that we, we say, you know, my superstitions are better than your superstitions. Because that's what it is. You know, superstitions. Faith is faith. If you have faith, you have belief. You have faith. You have belief. And it doesn't matter what you call your God. It doesn't matter what rites and rituals you have surrounding it. It's the practice of faith itself that's going to heal you. And to argue about the details, the rituals, the uh, the rites and rituals is going in the wrong direction. It's going into the wrong, wrong direction. All religions of the world represent forms of belief. And these beliefs are explained in many, many ways. The law of life is belief. And what do you believe about yourself and life and the universe? It's done unto you as you believe. It is done unto you as you believe. Belief is a thought in your mind which causes the power of your subconscious to be distributed into all phases of your life according to your thinking habits. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. This is what belief does. Belief is a thought in your mind which causes the power of your subconscious to be distributed into all phases of your life according to your thinking habits. That's what that's how powerful belief is. You must realize the Bible is not talking about your belief in some ritual or ceremony or form or institution or man or woman or formula. That's not what the Bible is talking about, whatever your Bible happens to be. It's talking about belief itself. Belief itself. The belief of your mind is simply the thought of your mind. As it says in Mark 9, is it 9? Yeah, Mark 9, yeah, chapter 9, verse 23. Yeah, yeah. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So it's foolish to believe in something to hurt or harm you. It's foolish. It's foolish to believe in anything that's going to hurt or harm you. It's foolish to believe in something that's going to hurt or harm somebody else. I don't care you know, who they are. It, someone might have beliefs that you disagree with. It's foolish to have a belief that that's going to harm them because if you harm them, you're harming yourself. As, as you wish upon others, you wish upon yourself. Remember, it's not the thing believed in that hurts or harms you. Not the thing that you believe in that's going to harm you. But the belief or thought itself that's in your mind that creates the result. All your experiences, all your actions, and all the events and circumstances of your life are the reflections and reactions to your own thoughts and beliefs. Man, if, you, if people understood that, if everybody understood that, we'd be very careful what we think. We would be very careful of what we think. So what we call prayer therapy is the synchronized and harmonious and intelligent function 
of the conscious and subconscious levels of mind, specifically directed for a definite purpose, which is why we don't pray unless we mean it. We don't pray to clean the dishes. In scientific prayer or prayer therapy, you must know what you're doing and why you're doing it. You pray with pure intention. You trust the law of healing. Prayer therapy is sometimes referred to as mental treatment. In another term is scientific prayer. And in prayer therapy, you consciously choose a certain idea, a mental picture or plan which you desire to experience. And you realize your capacity to convey this idea or mental image to your subconscious by feeling the reality of the state assumed. This is not blind faith, and it's not turning it over to uh, some other agency to assume it for you. This is a directed and powerful manifestation of will. And as you remain faithful in your mental attitude, your prayer will be answered. Prayer therapy is a definite mental action for a definite specific purpose. So let's suppose this, for example, suppose you decide to heal a certain difficulty by prayer therapy. You're aware that your problem, of, your problem, your sickness, whatever it may be, whatever your problem is, must be caused by negative thoughts charged with fear. They're lodged in your subconscious mind. And that if you can succeed in cleansing your mind of these thoughts, there'll be a healing. There'll be movement. There'll be uh, some improvement in your situation. So, therefore, you turn to the healing power within your own subconscious mind and remind yourself of its infinite power, its infinite intelligence, and its infinite capacity to heal all conditions. We don't put limits on this. We don't say, well, it, it can heal some things, but some things... No, no. All conditions. Remember this guy. I call on the power of Yahweh. Remember the woman that took on a polar bear. Would you would you jump a polar bear? If the stakes are high enough, I bet you would. If that was your kid, I bet you would. Can you lift a car? Can you go out here now and pick up your car? I bet if it's someone you loved under it, you could. I'm 60 years old. If I went out here and tried to pick up my car, my spine would shatter unless, you know, someone I loved was under it. I bet, I bet you I could. As you dwell on these truths, your fear will begin to dissolve, and the recollection of these truths also corrects their erroneous beliefs. And you give thanks for the healing that you know will come. You're grateful in advance. I always call this paying it forward. Paying it forward. And you know it's going to come, and you keep your mind off the difficulty until you feel guided to pray again. And while you're praying, you absolutely refuse to give any power to these negative conditions or to admit for a second that the healing will not come. And it's this attitude of mind that will bring about the harmonious union of the conscious and subconscious mind, and that will release the healing power. Well, until next time. Until next time. This is the Reverend. You know the Reverend loves you. And he, go heal thyself. And we'll see you next week. Grassy.
Crystal 